0: Hello and welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Generic Foiling Podcast. It's just me today, Liam here. Uh, Freddie is in Austria. He is on a work trip and he's out there uh, testing snowboards. The company that he does sales for also represents a couple of snowboard brands. So he's uh, he's been out there. He sent me the typical Freddie short and sweet update. He says he's had decent snow. He's fallen and he's hurt his ass and he misses his skis. So sounds perfect. It's been super cold here. Uh, Despite that, we've been getting in the water. We've had a couple of missions since we last put out our podcast. Uh, We ended up going to Bantham for a kite session in the waves. And we also did a bit of a mega mission uh, to go to Damer Bay, a couple of hours away in North Cornwall. It was so close to being perfect as that spot can be. Um, We ended up suffering 30, 35 knots hail squalls which was super fun um but we'll talk about that more when freddy gets back next week we've had loads of messages uh this week which has been really sick so thanks to everyone that has reached out to us Uh, and if you haven't yet do give us a shout out i know it feels weird sending it if you don't really if you don't know us or even close to us, but even just a high and where you're from, that'd be cool. A uh, special shout out to Andy from Switzerland. He sent such a sick email anyway, but in comparing us to the progression project, that just had us like little schoolgirls. So thanks for that. Uh, and remember, we do subscribe to whatever platform you're on, Spotify, google um apple podcast do subscribe or follow this annoyingly you do have to hit i think whether it's spotify or all of them you do have to hit the little bell to actually make sure you get notified of when these go live so do that leave us five stars whilst you're there as you know we don't accept anything else so this week's episode uh this is a recording from antigua with jake kousek it, this was super interesting for me uh, i have worked with jake very briefly in the past just sort of teaching water sports and doing a couple of things that must have been 2014 2015 and things have just changed you know obviously changed a lot for both of us but it's really interesting to to see how his focus has changed how his life has changed um jake house has got a lot going on now uh, he runs a kiteboarding and winging school uh, in antigua so he's And he foiling is becoming more and more a part of his business. Um, So not only does he teach kite foiling and wind foiling, he kind of incorporates wake foiling as part of that. Uh, So he does that. He's still very much a pro rider in his own right. Uh, He creates, you know, great edits every now and then. He puts out a lot of stuff on Instagram, on YouTube. He's even done his own podcasts. Then he is a bit of an online content master, which he talks a little bit about in this. For those of you that might not know, you know more about him, and to just supplement what Jake introduces about himself, he was a you know pro kiteboarder originally, uh, a wake style rider. He had this really sort of smooth and effortless style, which suited that that whole scene at the time. Uh, and obviously, years ago, he was very much self-focused to to push his riding and to push himself as a brand, I suppose. But nowadays, he's just got a variety of projects going on and it's clear that he doesn't go half-hearted into any of them Um, it's really quite inspiring he whatever it is that he wants to do his whole strategy is just deep dive into that rabbit hole and analyze those that are successful in that space uh, see what they're doing and just emulate it but in his own style and yeah he'll talk a little bit more about that so without further ado i hope you enjoy this one and until next episode have a good week i'm lucky enough to sit down with jake Kelsick here in antigua we're pretty much in his backyard on the back of Dutchman's Bay where you got your business set up. Yeah, buddy. How is your setup here? How long have you been doing it? What are you up to?
1: It's good, man. Like season's kinda of just getting going. Obviously. Season anti kicks off from November till about July. We're recording now. Yeah, Early yeah, in Jan. On. So <laughs> it's like prime time kind of. And it's been good. It's been a great season so far. Lots of people around and wind's been pretty good. So no
0: complaints. You started it <laughs> by the time you started your school, it was two years ago now?
1: Yeah, third year now, going to third, third year, yeah.
0: So you would have started it. Were you doing winging straight away?
1: No, we didn't, didn't, uh, no, yeah, we didn't really go into winging straight away. Kiting was a focus for year one because winging was still kind of starting to pop up, but we didn't really know much about wing gear and it wasn't really a focus at all. Year two, winging definitely became a focus. Started to learn about gear, got a little bit of gear, but on the business front, it still wasn't really super busy for us. We had the gear, we did a couple of lessons here and there, but it wasn't that big.
0: And did you just do that yourself at the beginning?
1: For sure. It was a goal of mine just to crack it. I could see it was blowing up. So I wanted to just, you know, be on the pulse a little bit and get to know about it before everyone else knew everything. And that was quite a challenge. Ended up getting like a super tiny board, like a 41 liter. And I had like the older north wings that were decent, but they didn't have a lot of power. So my intro to winging was not very good at all. I'm like, you went why, for the why would anyone price. do this? Why would anyone do this? I couldn't get going at all. I just get the lung burn, the arm burn, and yeah, basically didn't do much riding at all for like a couple months. Right. But then learned how to get the right gear. Actually got good enough to where I could even get the small ball to work if it's pumping. But my vision of it in the beginning was like, oh, you only do that when it's like pumping wind.
0: Yeah. Because okay. of my
1: setup. Yeah.
0: So I wonder with our audience on this podcast there's definitely, for my understanding so far, it's kind of split mostly between wingers and prone foilers. Um, I'd have thought a good portion would know who you are, but I definitely think that the winging crowd is different to what was, you know, the fighting crowd. Yeah. Um, So tell, just for the benefit of those that don't know, tell a little bit about your history with water sports.
1: Got it, yeah. So I was fortunate enough to get into water sports pretty uh, early on in life. My dad was like an ex-wind surfer. And then he started kiting back in like 2002, 2003 times. Um, And then I was a young kid just hanging out with my dad at the beach, kind of seeing him figure it out, crack it, getting wrecked, getting destroyed, taking forever to figure it out. But then by like 2004, at the age of like 10, 11, I basically got into it, got super hooked. And then a friend of mine, Andre Phillip, who basically is another local guy from Antigua, was a bit older than me. His career was just starting to blow up. And we became really good friends, and he was a big, like, inspiration to me as a young kid. And I got to hang out, I got to see behind the scenes, I got to see that, ooh, someone from Antigua is able to make Mm. kiting and this pro-life of traveling and doing this sport full-time possible. Um, And that became my goal as a very young kid, and just never let go of it. And many years later, I managed to get some sponsors. Got to travel a lot. Got to go all over Europe, Russia, Czech Republic,
0: Mauritius. You benefit that the wake style scene, didn't you? Most for sure. You wake had style that was style that suited, that. and that was
1: like a big thing. Andre was into. He was kind of on the forefront of like building rails and riding yeah. boots, and he was just at the peak of when that stuff was starting to become pretty popular. Yeah. So yeah, we did a lot of that. Um, and brand started to support that stuff, and I was kind of getting into it. So that opened up a lot of opportunity, and yeah, that's led to where we are now, so still doing it.
0: Just, <clears throat> just as an interesting thing, personally, I like chatted to a couple of the local guys here about you and doing this and everything, and they said that naturally, and you even just said it to me yourself, naturally, you're quite introverted for sure, and yet speaking to your this and already like on <laughs> your media outlets that we'll come on to in a minute you're confident outspoken all the rest of it is that a learned thing because of your goal
1: definitely big yeah. time yeah because as a kid i don't know i was just a pretty shy kid i wasn't really uh you know big talk i didn't have too much to say it's still kind of like that now <laughs> just like to go ride go hang enjoy time alone you know i wasn't really too into being in big crowds and stuff like that but, uh, yeah, when you want to build a brand or you want people to support what you're doing, you know, the better you get at, you know, selling your mission or telling people what's possible, what you're trying to do, that opens up a lot of doors. So that was a skill that I definitely focused on trying to learn. And I've gotten better at it. Still not, you know, I wouldn't say I'm the most outgoing person ever, but I can, you know, get the job done and feel good about what I'm saying. And, well, I mean, yeah. for
0: someone that's a coming on to this, so you're, you've got your kite school here. Um, you're doing kiting, winging, kite foiling, wing foiling. Do you include? I know you've got the boats that you use as part of your teaching practice. Do you yep. include that in your foiling teaching and stuff? So you do toe foiling and weight foiling and stuff like that? Definitely. Is that yeah. taught or just personal?
1: No, that's taught. So we have a pretty good system. Obviously, we're always tweaking it, but for now, we basically have a great system for learning how to foil, learning how to wing, learning how to kite. So basically, we let's say we're teaching a brand new wing lesson, you start on the beach, we're going to. Pump the wing up, run through the whole mechanics of how it feels to fly the thing, get power, da-da-da, all the basic stuff. Yeah. And then if you don't have much experience at all, we'll usually uh, take you out on a boat, go wake-foiling on the wing board, just to get a feel for the board, get a feel for the foil, hopefully make some progress on being able to foil a little bit. And then if that's going good, we'll pump the wing back up and try and put it together.
0: Is that standard? So you're always doing that, you don't just go...
1: That's kind of a system. Sometimes we'll like pump the wing up, go out, try and put it together. Most people aren't going to figure it out. Right. So if you don't have any foiling experience, it that's the big piece of wing foiling. is 80% yeah, yeah. that, 20% understanding the wing. So yeah, usually wake foiling is something we always do. Some people take, you know, two, three lessons maybe to crack the whole thing. But yeah, we had a guy recently, three lessons, was absolutely slaying it at the end. So it works good.
0: So what's your history with your foiling disciplines? Mm-hmm. Kite foiling first, I'm guessing. Kite foiling first. Yeah. That was my
1: first intro to foiling. Basically down at Java, um, a friend of mine uh, brought a foil up many years ago. It was a lift foil. Kind of an older setup. And he was basically out on the beach fighting with it all day, saying, this thing is so hard. It's fucking, I don't know. It's not working. Just fighting the whole day. And me being a pretty confident kite, I was like, it can't be that hard. Like, you know, come on, let me try it out. Basically went, got my first little taste, and was not having a good time. It was the point where I was like ending up pretty far down the beach. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe the board's set up wrong or something. Like some maybe something's broken on it. Like it just does not feel possible to get it to work. But managed to muscle it because I was like, there's no way I'm walking back up the beach with this board. So I muscled it, floated it, and managed to get a couple tacks back up in. So by no means a forlet, but I was able to get home. Yeah. And that was kind of my first intro. And then for ages after that, um, I basically didn't do much for it until I actually partnered with the brand and got a foil set up and was right. able to actually do it enough to So you didn't have it.
0: enough of an experience off the first go to be like, this is me?
1: Nah, not at all. I got a little taste. I was like, oh, it's way harder than it looks. But by no means. I was like, oh, I totally understand what it's about and get white people into it. It's just like, oh, interesting. Did that change? For sure. As I got access to it and I saw more of it too. But even before I got access, I saw a lot of people... Just doing all sorts of crazy shit with it. Riding in super light winds, going super far. And that was super appealing. And then it was my goal to try and get a foil. Yeah, okay. That eventually came true. And then it just totally took over. And since then, it's probably like 50-50 on twin tips and foiling.
0: I mean, it suits the Caribbean, huh? You get so many light wind days.
1: Big time, yeah. There's so many days where you just wouldn't even bother going to the beach. And now it's amazing to get out for a session because it's flat, calm, And you can confidently roam to really far places that you wouldn't usually go and feel confident that you'll be able to make it back. So I love it, man.
0: In the three years, you know, third season, have you noticed it's affected your business, like proportion? I mean, this year. More foiling specific inquiries.
1: Yeah, for sure. Big time. This year, as we talked earlier before the podcast started, yeah, we've had 50% wing lessons, 50% kite lessons. So the interest is definitely there. Oh, uh, I'm even had some people who just want to go wake foiling they're thinking about getting into foiling They've seen it. we just want to try it out and wake foiling is a nice gentle intro into what it's about So yeah, foiling is definitely pretty big within the water sports team right
0: now. It's gonna become for those instructors It's gonna become a requirement. Oh, yeah, think? for like, sure
1: now even for us our team We're like not all of our guys are super confident on foils, but we're training them to obviously understand okay. how it works and be confident on it and be yeah. able to at least teach it, because yeah, everyone needs to. You never know. I would say you know one out of three clients maybe wanting to just do foiling. So
0: what I find so interesting is how many people come up now and they don't even mention a discipline. They're just like, I want to learn to foil. There's not. It's not wing foiling, kite foiling. There's no there's specific. There's it's fly, like there's I want to learn yeah. to foil. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's really interesting.
1: I think it's just been going viral, like on the internet. You know, like if you look at water sports in general, there's if anyone who's into any sort of water sport. The chance of them having seen foiling is very high. You know, oh. those type of videos have been going viral well for a couple of years now. So,
0: yeah, it's cool. So, you're winging. How did that journey progress? You talked about starting on yeah. a tiny board. So start what around, foils are you using? And Yeah, so
1: lit. basically we are north Mystic school, so all our gear is north mystic. Um, so, on the foil front, we have a bunch of different setups. We have like some 1500 wings, some high aspect, low aspects, mid aspects. We've kind of been experimenting with all sorts of wings on the foil side. Um, and yeah, my current setup is right now a 50 liter 410 board. And I've been enjoying the high aspect 850 and a pretty small tail wing as well. It's a pretty high performance setup. Um, but you said
0: you're not in the waves
1: I'm not in the waves why
0: are you not in the waves?
1: just uh, the spot we ride at doesn't have too much waves so we get a little bump so we can no, you got a nice track yeah I know but the mission you know we're working a lot we kind of get stuck to the home spot quite often so I've been enjoying jumping freestyle a little bit Right, trying to figure that out uh, which is definitely a challenge it's La- a
0: good job it's me interviewing you not Freddie. <laughs> he'd be insulting you right now oh yeah <laughs> he's not about that at all he's a purist Yeah, just so wants to ride waves Fair enough. Have you been down to Half Moon Bay?
1: Yeah, I've actually only had one good session down there. Right. But it's sick. Yeah, That's the spot. That's if the you're spot. into waves, that's it's unreal.
0: So I, it, it frustrated me that it took so long being here to figure out or find out that that is the spot. But as far as I'm concerned, if you're coming to Antigua and you want to wing and you're in the waves, mm-hmm. that's For the sure. spot, right? That's the spot, guaranteed, yeah. Uh, myself, the guy Dan, I, and Jack, we had a good number of days in a row where that was special really yeah. really really special that's awesome dude yeah i think i think you gotta be making that journey down there however much work you got going on
1: no doubt yeah it's interesting it's definitely been a transition though just like work and play you know it's definitely still big in business mode we want to have fun but we still yeah. got to make sure everything's working but
0: yeah it's definitely a super good spot do you pursue wave riding in in like other disciplines because you know you're always hardcore on the freestyle and the wake yeah. style and all that stuff but Not really.
1: That's the thing. Like, Antigua, we do get some swell, but it's not a big wave island. Like, obviously, we had some pretty crazy conditions recently, which you guys got to kind of go play in. That's not normal at all. Swell is pretty intermittent here, so we kind of shine with flat water and just open
0: ocean bumps. That's kind of what we get most of the time. And are you playing with that? Because that was one of the things that I thought in the first month that I was here. Mm. I was thinking to myself straight away, winging. I either need a bigger foil or I need a higher aspect foil. Now, that 850, are you able to mess around in some of the wind swell in that? Or are you just sticking in the flat water area? No, and... the
1: high aspects are dope, man. Like, the 850 is super small, super fast, but it still pumps real good. And, it's yeah, it's good on little, like, knee-to-waist-high little lumps. You can yeah, definitely get can some glides. Obviously, that's not the wing you're going to ride if you're just purely trying to pump and go as far as possible without using any wing power. But, yeah, the high aspects are super good. Like, even that small size is really efficient and fun. Uh, so yeah it's been out here to get sick like sometimes when it's like thumping wind on a twin tip it's pretty brutal because you are just plowing through pretty big chop but on the foil it's prime time because there are little bumps that you can glide through and ride half the bay and pump back out use them as ramps so yeah you t- it really changes the way you look at the ocean
0: so thinking about your freestyle and wake style riding from my perception as someone watching videos sort of through my journey in kiting your style looked to me as like flowing and creative you didn't look like a rider where it was like I'm pursuing this trick yeah I'm just gonna drill it till I land it then I'm moving on to the next trick I'm gonna drill it till I land it is that true or is it just a case of you wanted to do that and you did it until you could make it look effortless
1: no I'll say that's true like cuz again like a bit of my story I didn't really compete that much so I wasn't driven by the most technical tricks I was driven by stuff that feels good, looks good. And we also did a lot of video stuff. So visuals were always in my mind every move. You want it to like look cool, feel yeah. good. And that's kind of what I've always chased, winging, kiting, everything. Like It's not always about getting over tech. It's about the stuff that feels good, the stuff that you can throw every session.
0: And so is your winging the same now? For
1: sure. It's similar. Yeah. Like, uh, And the wing freestyle is pretty hard, so I'm, I don't have a lot of tricks at all. But little jumps, little ears, little grabs, little shifties, you know, stuff like that feels sick, looks sick. The everyday person's gonna be like, Whoa, that looks pretty, see I wanna try that out. So yeah, that's kinda just something I've always enjoyed doing. Stuff that feels good. Stuff that you can do forever, hopefully, you know.
0: What I like about what you're saying is related to a question I wanted to ask you, which is the fact that you're saying it feels good. Mm. Obviously you mentioned Dre and he's riding here. But he, you know, he's full-time family man now, isn't he? And he's, mm-hmm. he's, you know, I presume not riding as much as he once was. And I can understand how when he was at the peak of his career and you were growing up into your your position in, in the industry, that it would be really easy to motivate each other to ride. Mm-hmm. But talking to people here, they've always said that you've never had any lack of motivation to go out and push tricks in kiting, mm. whether anyone else is around or not. Yeah, That's something I've always found really interesting between different riders, because I've always said about kite freestyle. I still love kite freestyle, but I look at it from the perspective of, you do it with your mates, someone lands something, and it's like, all right, I gotta land it. And then you push something, and then, oh now they gotta land it. And if I wasn't riding with anybody else, I wouldn't bother with kite freestyle. (laughs) Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And whereas riding in the waves, for example, couldn't give a crap almost the less people the better because you know more waves for me yeah so is that is that true of you you're just so self-motivated with the kiting side and how does that cross over with your foiling disciplines and stuff
1: yeah I think you know again being an antique that seems super small so you're not going to always have someone else to ride with like that's a luxury and also maybe a curse if you prefer riding with others. I mean, progression-wise, I think you're always going to progress faster. Having someone else out there with you, even if it's just one guy who's kind of close, you guys are going to definitely edge each other on and the progression will happen quicker. But if you don't have that and you still want to progress, you got to go out every day with a plan and try and get the reps in still, you know? So that's kind of just what I had to do because after Dre kind of got a little bit older, wasn't riding that much, no one else kind of popped up. It was just me. There's no other good riders, so if you want to progress, you just got to have that trick list and try and chip away at it, even so if no one's you, watching.
0: Do you ride like that with your winging, or does winging, is winging just for fun for you?
1: I would say no, it's still pretty for fun, like trying to progress a little bit, but you know, things have changed a little bit, now we have the business; we got a lot, lot more moving parts, so you know, my focus isn't just on progression and being on the water the whole time, obviously that that's kind of more of a meditation now for me too, is just going out Switching off for a sec, trying to do a couple of things, but it's not trying. Because I used to get pretty frustrated, too, trying to progress to every session. It can kind of demotivate you big time because, let's say, the wind's not right. Or you're just having an off day and your main goal was to land this new trick. Yeah. And it's just not happening. It kind of kills the fun and the enjoyment of the session. So I think luckily now it's not just about that. You have some goals, but you also want to just enjoy being in the water and, you know, do that stuff that feels good and not. Trying to do seven twenties backflips the whole time, you know. <laughs>
0: Probably hurt yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That too, you know. Not work.
0: So you've got yes. Yeah, so you, let's talk about your other projects. So you've got the school. You had a podcast yourself, yes which sir. we talked about briefly before this, which yep. is cool. So you got your. You're not doing that anymore.
1: Took a break oh. on that. Maybe we will come back to life at some point. But it was yeah. Took a little break on it for
0: but now. But you YouTube is a big part of what you do.
1: Yeah, so again, to go into the bigger bit of the backstory, so when I first started kiting I wanted to go pro. Competing wasn't an option for me because you're on a small island, there's not a lot of resources to start traveling, going to comps, so how how do you make it work? Basically, I started making videos, started getting really good at basically cooking up content and getting views and trying to... Bring value to the market in a sense. It wasn't just about doing cool shit. I actually wanted to become valuable to everyone who watched. So I wanted them to learn something from me. I wanted them to like either be entertained or, or ideally learn something because the industry where and I think most people are happy to trade time or money to learn. And that's kind of my that was my goal with a lot of content. So a lot, if you look at my YouTube channel, a lot of my tutorial stuff is kind of the most viewed stuff and i was able to leverage that into getting more and more sponsorships over the years and that was my main focus until we started school 3 years ago i wasn't making tons of money but i was able to get support making enough money to survive every month and so were
0: you using it were you seeing it as an income stream in itself or were you seeing it as leverage by providing value to brands both both, both.
1: i knew leverage was valuable and audience is valuable and that's something i was always Super aware of because a lot of only recently. I think some of the pro writers have started to realize the value of Kind of owning your own audience for a while, you know brands would do a lot of content But let's say you do a video for brand X you do a whole shoot all this stuff boom 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 But it ends up on brand X YouTube channel. So they own that content You have no control over monetizing it. You have no control of the audience or anything like that Whereas for me, I always was able to leverage Ideas and brand brands being in the video, but me still owning the video and having total control over where the video lived. And yeah, that's always been a big force for me is just being able to build my own brand. And that's kind of what I did to basically pivot us into the school. So by the time we started school, people already thought we owned the school for 10, 20 years because
0: of the stuff we've been doing online. I mean, it's really smart, man, because it's a passive income, right? You're yeah. still making a little bit of money, presumably, off sure, videos that over, you yeah. made five years ago. Yeah. Are you still... Finding that that over time your income from that channel grows because simply the mass of content that you've got there is there, or does it dwindle out with time or what? How I mean, you some that? videos
1: if you get a smash on YouTube, that thing will earn for forever. That will out outview all the videos that you've been cooking up recently, and you're so excited about it, still doesn't hit because that other video is just in the algorithm and still getting hits. So you I mean, you're
0: sort of kiting your. <laughs> what was your I'm trying to think. What was you had a couple of big movies. One. What was it? All with you? Or was it all with you, Andre? So you a, me and
1: Andre had a couple of cool like short film style videos. Because you was got called.
0: support from the tourism board, right?
1: Yep, a little bit for that stuff. So we were pretty tied in with those guys just to help promote Antigua and stuff like that. And those videos were cool. They got decent amount of views, but they're not consistent enough to actually earn that much money off of it. They're really good brand pieces, really good show pieces to kind of help promote you in the sport, but. It's the, it's the consistent content that allows you to earn. And within the water sports industry, especially kiting anyways, it's very small. So being able to monetize this stuff purely off viewership is pretty hard. Um, and I was kind of always working with small brands who didn't have a ton of budget. So I was working on a shoestring budget and every piece of content that I put out had to hit for me personally. So to maybe just level up and get more opportunities, not necessarily have brand X be like, sweet, you hit the target, here's a thousand bucks or whatever for, whatever, for, for the piece. Um, so the water sweat scene is pretty hard to make money just off monetizing videos. I think there is a space to have a good relationship with a brand that just wants marketing out there. I think there's definitely room for that. But just making views just off having a YouTube channel, get getting views on videos is pretty hard because the industry's small. If you're getting 500 to a million views, you're like the top tier. Yeah. Which on the grand scheme of YouTube views, that's not much. You ain't making much off, you know, one or two videos of that. Uh, with those views a year you know yeah so it's tricky i think there's still a lot of value in yeah working with a brand or having your own business and being able to get eyes to that
0: and you found your synergy for that partnership with north
1: big time yeah for us we lucked out when we were starting school we were searching around trying to find a brand and luckily stars line and they're kind who we started the same there. time, right? they were trying to grow through the caribbean and we were just trying to get started and it's been smooth sailing ever since
0: Yeah, because it's funny, I had this conversation with with Adam that you used to work with, Mm -hmm. and um, we were talking about how a lot of your videos, like when you look at the YouTube platform, it's really obvious that, one, you're, yes, you you have a good personality on camera, but it's obvious that you've sort of studied what makes for success. No doubt. And we were saying that if you had a little bit of luck in just like a lifestyle vlog Mm. somewhere else... Mm you'd be booming because yeah, you know yeah because i, I like, was cooking
1: for a while long time put a lot of effort into it for your sure.
0: production quality and just yeah the the way you go about it it yeah. is of the quality of high-end, that,
1: right? high-end yeah. youtube stuff for sure no it was like crazy because i basically started vlogging like many years back and i just committed to a video a week videos went from pretty pretty mediocre to you know just again reps like everything in life the more you do it the better you get and, I was all, and that's how I always looked at the what I was doing too. Because again, water sports, kiting, it's a small industry. So for me, I, that was the thing I was into and I liked. But I was looking at YouTube and online media as a whole. People who were killing it. Just in different niches, different genres. And I'll just try and get ideas from what they were doing and apply it to my niche. So over time, I kind of found my own swag. and was able to find a format that was I could be, do regularly. You yeah.
0: Know? I think it's good for listeners to hear this because some of the listeners that are just customers in these sports, yeah, I feel like a lot of people have a perception that this industry is massive. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe comes out of the fact that windsurfing at a stage was massive. Mm, you yeah. know, that was a household sport and that did get corporate sponsors and riders got corporate sponsors. And, you know, even nowadays, like the kiters talk about the heyday of the PKRA, when even some of those guys were getting small corporate sponsors, but like, that doesn't really exist now and there's only so many riders doing it and it is an expensive sport and there's yeah, a lot it's tricky.
1: That- it's tricky to be a pro it's, it's tricky to be a brand it's tricky to actually survive in the industry for any length of time because it's you know it's growing I every mean, year still definitely growing and chipping and becoming bigger and bigger but it's still pretty small in the grand scheme it's not surfing it's not even no. wakeboarding it's nothing like that way you just can set it up anywhere and do it anyway you know yeah but winging may change out. winging is definitely like a It's still early days, but I see it being a sport for the masses.
0: A lot of people are saying this, and I think I agree with you.
1: Yeah, just because of the access, because of how
0: it looks, because of how safe it is. It's the perception of safety that gets people, right?
1: Yeah, like if you look at that versus kite, and time too. Like I would say it's quicker to learn how to wing foil and mow the lawn than it is to kite. Maybe slower to progress after that point. But a lot of people just need to get to where their moments are the on and they're pretty stoked. So for the masses, that's like again, if you don't have a lot of time, you don't have a lot of water sports experience, I just wanna get out there. Yeah. And wing yeah. is a pretty quick, rewarding way to do that. So
0: So we'll I'll, see. So that that might answer a bit of this question, but as you move forward, kinda still being a pro rider on the basis of status and what you're putting out media wise, how do you see yourself moving forward? with the school and whatever else. like, What's your five-year plan, if you've got one? Five-year plan, that's wrong. You strike me as someone that's that's got one, though. You're too calculated not to.
1: We're working on it. I wouldn't say I have a whole five-year plan mapped out, but for sure, in the next few years, I want to have the school be on autopilot a little bit, have our products super dialed in, have a good team, have all the tools we need to create a sick and quick learning experience but then also have content live alongside that. That does a similar thing. So the guys who can't make it out to our school can still learn through us online, can still learn about gear, can still maybe find the ways to get here at some point. I think with North especially and what we're doing, I think there's a lot of value there to promote gear, promote skills, and just share knowledge on the sport. So that's kind of my goal in the near future is to have two businesses, which is a school, in-person, physical, and then have the online side be its own thing that is earning its own money and also providing its own value through just really thought out valuable videos.
0: And when you get to the point where you don't, like we just talked about the podcast, one of the main reasons you didn't do that is we talked about, you know, there's there's more work behind the scenes and people appreciate actually trying to edit and produce mm-hmm. a quality podcast. So, you know, you kind of lost lost that as a priority because of that. As you get more time poor and you have more projects, where are you going to align your focus? What do you enjoy more?
1: Yeah, and I, I think I'm kind of a creative at heart too. I do like making visuals. I do like making videos. I do like the art of having an idea, shooting it, getting it finished, putting it out, seeing what happens. So, I mean, I, I also enjoy coaching in real life too, one-on-one. That's like definitely something that, you know, gives you the buzz and reminds you why you do what you do. Like someone who doesn't have any experience leads like fucking over the moon, like buzzing. So that's cool. But I think for me, I wanna like really focus on the video stuff and kinda just try and build a system to have that get close to being an autopilot, whether that means you're bringing people in to help shoot or edit. Cause I do enjoy shooting, I do enjoy editing, but I do wanna also scale. And at some point, help makes the process of regularly making stuff more enjoyable. Because for a while, I got burnt out on making videos and stuff like that. Because it is a lot of work. You know, you're cooking, shooting all, and especially kiting and water sports in general. You got to line the weather up. You're out in the sun all day shooting. Then you got to go home. And when I had like a a video week schedule that said there's no wind all week. It's Friday. It's my last day to make this happen. Gonna force it out, and it can kind of kill the joy. So yeah, eventually I want to maybe build a small team or at least have some people help and really just approach it from a business perspective. Like it's not just about making money, but it's about being able to enjoy the process and be consistent over consistent with everything long term.
0: Keeping off, I think, I think with a lot of these media outputs, or at least for me personally, if I'm going to consume something, it's got to be authentic. Yeah. And so setting yourself more of a business schedule like that, how do you keep the authenticity in it? Mm-hmm. are you just thinking about that because look i'm i'm driven to give people value so mm-hmm. you know yeah that's, i mean that's where your authenticity comes from is i want to get something out there because i want people to learn from me or what Do you yeah, have to sort of talk yourself into it sometimes
1: i mean for sure you got to keep you know get yourself fired up and to show up every day But I think, yeah, just trying to create value for people is key. And that can come in very different many ways. Let's say you're doing a fun mission, winging around Antigua. That's cool. That's a fun thing to film. People may enjoy seeing that that's possible. But then there's a lot of just tutorial stuff. I think it's just information-based. There's a lot of questions that people want answered. And I want to basically answer all those questions and be, cool, I want to learn this. Here's a video on it. I want to learn this. Here's a video on it. And basically just be the top one, two, three, at least in the top ten, of an option for you to learn what you're asking.
0: That's cool. So where's that team going to come from that helps you do that?
1: I think the team will naturally happen as you have the resources to do that. Um, At this stage, that's not necessarily possible because we just don't have budget to bring anyone else on. But eventually, we'll either hire someone or just be able to build our team enough at the school so I'm not needed to be there as much. And I can focus my energy on this sort of stuff.
0: Surely that's like... Almost an apprenticeship style thing for someone on Antigua. There's gotta be a good opportunity for somebody. That's
1: true, for sure. I think that's that's another way to go about it for sure. Bring someone on who wants to build their own brand and is good at cooking up content. And see where that goes. So we'll see. Yeah. Still figuring it out, you know, we don't have the plan totally down to chat, right.
0: but We're on a we're on a two year plan. <laughs> right, one of the questions I wanted to ask, so you're quite careful with putting your media out you just talked about creating sort of value for the brands that you work with and stuff um how brand loyal are you in terms of trying out gear and do you like to mix things up in your own time Mm. do you like to try stuff or are you a bit like right this is what i'm using in my school so i'm going to master it
1: uh i think again being an anti you don't get access to too many other pieces of kit so you're kind of forced to use what you got But I'm always researching. I'm always aware of what everyone else is doing. I'm not just totally blind, like, oh, I'm a North believer and that's it. I'm looking at the whole industry and seeing who's doing what, seeing who's, you know, innovating, seeing who's bringing on new team members, see what brand's investing in this area. So I'm studying the whole industry all the time. But as far as like actually writing, I've mainly been focused on the North stuff. Every now and again, you may get a chance to try a different piece of kit, but I've really been enjoying North's progression over the three years that we've been working with them. Every year, they've been taking pretty big leaps. Uh, I think they're they're gunning for the top spot. So sooner or later, they're going to be a name for foiling, wing foiling, kiting. They're going to be on people's list when they think about picking up kit. I think if they keep up this trajectory.
0: It's one of the brands I haven't used much of. Yeah. Yeah, I, I should have think, come by and hit you up sooner actually yeah, try for some toys. I, I you
1: see some touch and feels? I stuff, did, you know? I
0: did walk by when I came around. I think you went there the one day, but I saw you sat up on the beach and I was like, this looks spicy enough. Yeah, this looks yeah. exciting.
1: They've been killing it, man. They're kind of under the radar, I think, because they're not everywhere yet, but the stuff is good. It's getting better every year. Like really big leaps. Like this year, they launched a whole new ring with new materials. They've been a whole new front wing line of high aspect stuff mid aspect stuff and the stuff is super good man and also like the little things like even like bolts, nuts like everything fits everywhere and you know some small brands have like you know this this is only for the foot strap this is for this and like North's making everything like universal so little things like that are like sick because even from a school perspective where you have a ton of different gear shit's always breaking you're always losing stuff no stress every piece can like work on every piece of kit so, I think that's cool. And that's another thing that I've enjoyed being on North because I feel confident telling people to buy it because it's also a setup you can buy and live with and grow into and customize over time. Whereas some brands, you buy it and if you want to change it, you got to buy a whole new setup. Whereas North, you can change front wings, change fuselages, change, like you can just change everything, which is pretty nice if you're kind of buying a setup for the long term.
0: Yeah, any, any brand that's not on board with that whole modular system now is.
1: It's tricky, yeah. It's dead. Yeah. Like,
0: let's be honest. Until yeah. they come up with something that is, I do, I do like that. There's a bit of a race, and I feel like, I feel like North is still on catch up a little bit, just from my outside perspective. Mm. But I feel like they're hurrying along. Mm.
1: And the race, in, in what sense? What uh, do you mean? Just
0: with, like, with, for example, with the release of high aspect gear, with you know emphasis on either modular systems or a stiffer mast or whatever it yeah. goes yeah. like this. Um, but yeah, they, they, they seem to be releasing product at a reasonably fast rate, and yeah, I see more and more of it quickly.
1: They're coming for the yeah.
0: There's a lot of it in the Caribbean. So you said that they were pushing for that as an objective specifically, or?
1: Definitely, when we started, because obviously their goal, they're a big brand, you know, they're backed by North Sales now, so they have that business background now, and also access to materials, access to manufacturing, so they're just slowly spooling. And before you know it, they're gonna be at least accessible everywhere. And the gear should be on par with everyone else that makes any sort of water sports gear just because they have the back end of North sails, which has been killing it since the beginning of wind, anything, you know? So,
0: Are you involved in gear (coughs) development, either foil or kiting? Not
1: too, too much yet. Maybe at some point. Uh, We do get to test stuff pretty early before it gets publicly released, which is fun. Um, But we're not really too involved on the development side. North has a pretty dialing team. They do a lot of their testing in New Zealand in extreme elements. Um, and they've been doing a pretty good job, so they keep it pretty small, I think, for now.
0: Is there something you'd like to get involved with? Yeah, I think a little bit.
1: Um, yeah, it's always cool being on the like pulse of new stuff and being to actually get it out on the water and test it out. And even now, that's something that I, I do enjoy doing, and I want to do more of too. It's like even when like every brand releases their product, and it's like you know they build their hype, they build ideas on like why it's the best piece of kit. I kind of want to almost be the guy for. Testing it in the real world after. Cool. Even if it's out already, I want to give my honest opinion on like, what's, what's it like to actually use? What are the pros and cons? Is it better than last year's kit? Stuff like that.
0: When you learn, one of the benefits that you talk to people about is, doesn't matter if it's choppy, doesn't matter if, you know, like foiling cuts through all that chop, blah, blah, blah. And you talk about it as a great equalizer that will make any conditions good. And I think that's so true. But then on the flip side, as you get better and you start playing in different environments, I actually think the conditions affect the foil setup that you want Mm -hmm. even more than it ever has done in kiting or windsurfing or anything like that. Mm. And I just find that really interesting personally. Yeah. I don't know whether you'd agree. Yeah, I
1: mean, mean, for sure, as you get better, obviously, you're going to get more anal about your setup. But I think for the masses, foiling definitely widens the gap for a good session. That's true. You know, for sure, it still has its limitations like anything. But versus riding a normal surfboard or a normal kiteboard, you know, you need conditions to be almost prime to really enjoy it. Whereas foiling makes that prime window, you know, four times big. Yeah. So yeah, I mean like anything, as you get more into it, you can get super nitty gritty on it. But even with foiling, there's some brands are so crazy on so many options. Whereas if you think the everyday foiler, what do you recommend to them? What what do you, what what should they get? You know, when a brand X does like 15 20 different wings and they're just you know i like it's very interesting because obviously they need that stuff to help the sport grow as far as performance but then it is also you know it's very interesting i'd love to see the the sales of every brand's foil setup and what front wings are selling the most and what just sits on the shelf on you'd the be there. a really good person you for know? that. know hey? it's interesting i think very you'd be the
0: good person to put that across to the public right i think that suits your brand quite well
1: that could be the next idea dude
0: To pick through that gear and actually...
1: Yeah, Yeah. and actually just highlight, you know, what's... Because again, like, it's very interesting from people buying gear. Like, because we deal with a lot of beginners and new people and they will grow into being epic foilers, but that's kind of where the market is and that's where the money is. You know, people just getting into the sport. So being super knowledgeable on that stuff is how you can hopefully grow and help people.
0: Do you like the techie side of it?
1: No, I think it's fun. I think like you definitely need that, like, okay, this is the cookie cutter. If you're starting out, go for this. Can't go wrong. But it is cool to be able to tweak, customize, and test. I mean, I'm not overly anal about it. Again, living on an island, we're kind of limited on how much gear we can get on the island and play with.
0: You're not changing your rear wing. So,
1: <laughs> nah, I, I have, I've changed it a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not into shimming it and doing all that sort of stuff. Again, I like to keep my, my setup pretty stock, again, because I still want to relate to the everyday learner and that's something that i had to learn from my kiting when i was super into wake style because that's super duper niche it's cool and i had a lot of support for a long time but the everyday person getting into kiting you have nothing to give them you don't know anything about the gear that they ride you're not riding in the same conditions you okay. know they want a front row <laughs> they just want to go to the side do some carving turns and just go playing a little simple stuff so you still want to be in touch with that as simple as it is. It's like cool to just, you know, be in touch with that and really try and cook up the best recipe on gear and conditions wise to make someone's new experience as good as it can be. So, don't want to stray too far from that.
0: Is that you as a school or do you get to sell gear here too?
1: We do sell a little bit of gear. We are a dealer, so we can sell to Ansega and a little bit of the States um, drop shipping. So we haven't sold lots of gear. Again, it's quite tricky on a small island.
0: You get quite big import duties and stuff, big right? Big import duties,
1: you. so it's hard to actually break even or make a profit by importing and selling on an island. But we are—we try to be pretty knowledgeable about it and at least guide people in the right direction
0: to actually get a setup. So there's some store in North America benefiting greatly from. Oh, your for hard sure, dude,
1: for sure. Many years of all the videos, <laughs> people have been selling lots of gear because of all the stuff I've been doing. I think eventually, like. If any brands are listening? There definitely get an affiliate program dialed. It's going to help you. It's going to help creators. It's going to really. It's the future. It's much, kind of shocking that there's not too many brands that have that system dialed. Like if someone's killing it online and they can just help promote your brand and win by creating, you know, uh, couple
0: you like a couple hundred dollar sales. Discount or yeah,
1: small. It's just a way of tracking it and also just being able to be like, cool. Liam sold us ten full foil setups he gets 10% of the sale whatever, you know, just like Amazon does with all their products.
0: I feel like you would be a very good person to actually (laughs) figure out through discussion where Freddie and I are going to go with this podcast Mm. because it's getting to the point where there's enough people listening and people are starting to reach out and proposing things to us. And we started this out of the same motivation as you, which is we just want to bring something interesting to people. And if they learn something great, we want to learn something. So great. Um, but it's so clear that you've sort of... I'm
1: into it, dude. Yeah, yeah. You've I, study, I study avenue. all this stuff as a business, like podcasts and online media, anything that goes online, any business that kills it, I'm into it. I want to learn more. I want to understand how they're making money, how they're bringing value to the customers, what's their system on the back end. I got pretty into the nitty gritty of building systems, not in an unhuman way, but just making things, making life easier, making the product better, and, you know, trying to maximize every interaction.
0: So, I think that my, I think this is quite a good, good way to bring this to a close as a takeaway in some respect. Um, my advice to people people talk like Freddie and me started this podcast, and then people come up with ideas that they've been talking about or whatever. And my thing is just begin. Oh, yeah. That's the number one thing, right? That's the number one oh, advice. Yeah, yeah. If ever you've got something you want to do, just get on with it. Cause, like you said, in the beginning of your YouTube videos, it was way more awkward than it is now. You get comfortable on camera, it becomes good. We were the same. But as someone with way more expertise in this, have you got a few little tips that you could pick out that would help people like more like in my position where we're growing and figuring something out?
1: For sure. I mean, starting is huge. But even if you're not at the starting stage yet, find people who are doing what you want to do online. You know, like I, I remember growing up, people always talk about having a mentor and they would think of a physical. Cool. I know Liam. He lives in the same place. He can maybe help me out. These days, you can find thousands of mentors online who may not know who you are, but they're putting out valuable stuff every day and just work that into your system. That's how my online world is. I don't really consume a lot of random content. Most of my feed, when I open it up, is about business, it's about content creation, and it's about stuff like that. So every time I'm kind of logging on to Instagram, Facebook, whatever, I'm getting ideas on how to get better at what I'm doing. And that's been huge for me. That's definitely been a great way to learn and keep the motivation up too. Cause even for me being on a small island, there's no one else was really into what I was doing. So I had to keep motivation up to believe in the freaking idea to keep showing up and keep trying to get better and keep trying to build it. No one was gonna really assist or build it for me. So I would say that would be the top tip if you're kind of even unsure of what you're doing. It's just like anything you're passionate about, see if any, if see if anyone online is killing it. If they can do it, what are they doing that works? What can you start to implement into your own thing? And just start to learn and grow from there.
0: And pick an industry that's bigger than kiteboarding or winging. <laughs> right? That might help. That might help. You might get quicker success.
1: But I also believe that it's just like it depends on how much you believe in the idea, you know, because over time... It's also super powerful if you are the top dog in a small industry because as that industry goes, you, you're at the top spot. So yes, it has to be something you enjoy too. You know, don't, don't, don't just chase money. You don't just chase success like you have to enjoy it else you're not going to do it long term. You may do it for a week, two weeks, a year, two years. Ain't working. All right. Give up. And that's the only reason I think anyone fails is if you give up may take you, like even for us, before we even start our school, we've been kiting of for nearly nineteen, twenty 20 years. It took us like 18, 17 years to get to the point where, boom, okay, this looks like it can work beyond where we are and it can continue to grow. So not recommending you take that long. But again, I think if you believe in your idea and you keep researching it and you see that at least one person's been able to make it work, you definitely can too.
0: So will you stay, as time goes on, do you think you'll stay spending most of your time on Antigua?
1: I think so. And
0: do you aspire to take those off-season periods to travel again?
1: Yeah, I think I've been lucky to do a lot of traveling, see a lot of different businesses, see a lot of different spots, a lot of different locations. For sure, yeah. Antigua's home, man. Uh, And you got a little one on the way. you got a little grandma on the way. April, so life's about to change in a couple months. You ready? Which will be... Nah. I mean, ready as you can be. I think, you know, having your kids are pretty uh, interesting chapter to open so we'll see how it goes luckily uh mama bear is doing good and everything's been good so far so you know as ready as I can be we'll see what happens but yeah all good Antigua's home for a while just want to really build a system here and have a sick experience on our own if you're looking to get out on the water do any sort of water sports definitely just come come by come say what's up we'll hopefully be able to make it was water sports streams come alive,
0: bro. And if and when I'm back, I expect you to be coming for a session at Half Moon Bay. Yeah, but I'll yes. line it up. I'll be <laughs> sick. I need to do this. that more
1: for sure. Yeah. I think you guys lucked out with the conditions because Half Moon Bay does fire, but it doesn't fire that often.
0: Epic. For sure.
1: Well, yeah. thanks for your time, Jake. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Sick to jam out. Sick. Sure.